welcome to episode four of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience that likes to help people learn more about the video games industry. Every Wednesday, I have on one of my friends from the industry to talk about their careers, how they got started, and lessons they've learned along the way, all while answering viewer questions in the live stream. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to join us live next time and get your own questions answered. Today, we have John R. Diaz joining us. He's tutorial technical designer for AWS Game Tech and has over a decade of professional game design experience. That's a lot to cover with him, so let's get going. Yeah, so tonight, guys, we have the one and only John Diaz with us. And he and I have had a very interesting relationship. We'll, uh, we'll mm-hmm. talk about real quickly that we have known each other digitally for many years. And uh, through he's a full sale grab, which we'll talk about for many years. And then we didn't actually meet in person until, what, two years ago? I think it was at GDC. Yeah, GDC 2019. Oh, so it was just a little over a year ago. Or 18. 2019 or 18 one think, of those i think it was 19 i think i'm pretty sure okay. it was but yeah so it wasn't that long ago um so yeah, yeah man it was uh but yeah we'll talk about that as we go through but it's just we we've always feel like we've actually known each other and then when we met we're just like oh yeah man like <laughs> it feels like i've already known you forever so one of those exactly. situations that's all good zoinks <laughs> so the way we'll kind of work here uh we'll start off here in just a minute by by talking about kind of like your leading up to full sale, what life was like for you. And then we'll go through all of that. Um, I'll kind of lead the conversation and we'll see questions in the chat every now and then. If you see something you want to just, you know, answer, feel free. Otherwise I will be looking for that and I'll kind of keep us going and, and make sure people's questions get answered. And guys, if you ask a question and I don't see it, feel free to re-ask it a little later on, or I might not be, it might, might not be quite the right time to get to it. And I want to make sure that I do. So just be sure if I miss something, you let me know. Uh, let's see. I uh, just want to say that's a great headset you got there. Oh, is that the Arctic 7S? It's one of those. Nice. <laughs> it's one of those. That's it's funny nice. how I came across this, man. It was like I needed wireless, and I didn't want none of that Bluetooth nonsense. Oh. And so this is one of the, the few that I ran into. How, do, how does that one connect, then, if it's not Bluetooth? I think it's like straight up kind of like a, a radio frequency. Oh, does it have like a dongle you, you plug in for it? Yeah. Or? Oh, okay, got you. Gotcha. Yeah, just got a nice little range and no lag, none of that stuff. <laughs> First question: When you want to push your monitors from scripting code for hours, how do you make yourself not hit the screen? <laughs> you don't <laughs> don't ever punch your monitor like that's a <laughs> nice <laughs> punching of monitors is not okay. I will say though, I have my second monitor. I have a vertical now, so I can just like. And for coding, you can just like put a whole yep. big page of stuff in there when you need to, which is nice. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. It's funny. I've seen, you know, you could take a widescreen and when you shift it vertical, it just looks much bigger. I'm like, yep. holy cow, is that like a 36 inch? Like, no, nah, bro, it's a 27. Yeah. I'm like, dang. <laughs> That's what I've got my 24 on its side like that. And I've got a 32, 34, 30, 34. That's, uh, that's here is my main screen. So. Oh, here, now we got a dog treat for the dogs real quick. We got a little, uh... Oh, hit the wrong one. I got used to my own sounds, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get started, shall we? So, why don't you start off by telling us 
what like as you were coming out of high school and you know like mm-hmm. starting to think about what am I going to do what am I going to be what kind of where was your head at at that point in life what were you what were you leaning towards yeah so coming out of high school all that I knew was that um I was really into typing away on a computer that's all I knew right and so that that's a mix of working in you know painting and art programs um messing around in some of the graphic design programs uh and definitely trying to mod some pc games right and so some of the ones that i got into some of the ones that ran on my machine uh was like grand theft auto 3 like old school mm-hmm. at, least, at least for me at the time right so being able to swap out some of the assets in there was as far as my modding experience went right right it's a good place to start though right yeah yeah you get you get super far you get super far yeah. with that yeah um and so whenever you look down those gigantic college catalogs at hey what's in the computer field right there was a, at the time for me it was like computer science information systems and computer engineering right and those are those are kind of the three okay hey those have computer in the title right let me let me look at those and i i went i would say i went very traditionally right i, I went to like a state university down the computer engineering path uh and some might say you know well basically engineering versus computer science you know you can kind of draw the line in the middle to say one is more hardware focused whereas the other one is more software focused yeah if that makes sense yep yeah and uh and yeah it took me about two years or so in and that you know kind of similar to how full sale does it where you're going through a lot of your gen ed stuff and you're going through your foundational physics and calculus uh courses and getting those out of the way and very light uh, uh you know bread breadboarding is a thing i remember yeah right <laughs> oh <laughs> and, man and, dude tell me about like plugging these little like roach clip resistors onto like a little plastic thing yeah just to get binary ones and zeros and and but that was super helpful right because that that kind of incepted the whole idea of logic yes uh, before i ever saw it in code yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um but you know what is that after a few years of the that archaic 200 it could be you know it's 200 but it, to me it felt like 3000 man lecture halls where you have a professor in the front of the room going through slides and I'm kind of in like the upper deck nosebleeds area trying to follow along <laughs> uh before I realized like all right this is okay but it's not really sinking in right it, it led to me a lot of work on my end to figure out what was going on and having little study groups with some of my peers and kind of doing double if not triple the work just to kind of keep up Mm. Uh, at the same time I started getting into my CS classes and that was all Java right Um, and that I really gravitated towards that's when I knew I found something that I really liked right like very uh, independently can type a few things in a text file compile and see something magical happen on screen Mm. right magical magical for me was 
seeing like some text or some basic decision making, right? If I enter my name, I get some yes or no, some true or falses and be able to branch out. Uh, you know, those are the foundations for some of the earliest like uh, RPG games, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but feeling super powerful and then realizing at that point, okay, I'm switching computer engineering and I'm going full time into CS. Uh, around the time I was reading EGM, uh, bonus points to anybody that remembers what that is. Oh, I hundred percent know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's so, some in here that were not born the la when that when that went away. I believe so. <laughs> yo, they literally solo venomous is like I'm too young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, um, yeah. So electronic gaming monthly back when you know gaming news was written. Yeah. Uh, born in '99. Dang, that's amazing. Um. 99 is when i started at full sale <laughs> yes yes yo that's amazing um so yeah i'm flipping through going through some articles and at the back was an advertisement for full sale and at this time i knew of one other school that even had gaming you know, game programming as a thing. In Japan? And f yeah. yeah. And for all intents and purposes, for a kid that only kind of knew the East Coast, you know, DigiPen was all the way on the other side of the universe yeah. for me, right? Yep. And even more, much more expensive than than anything attainable to me, right? Like, they have kind of a more traditional four-year model. Yeah. Uh, so, seeing this and kind of the stars kind of aligned in a way because I saw Full Sail in Winter Park, Florida. I had family in Orlando, right? Like most of my family is split between New York City and Orlando. Um, and so I made a phone call, signed up for one of those behind the scenes tours, spoke to my aunt at the time and says, hey, I want to come check out the school. I'm going to hang out. To visit the family at the same time, saw the campus, fell in love, and it's it's kind of unfair, right? Because when you look at a very a more modern campus to like an older campus that's been around for however long, Those traditional universities, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, as as nice as they are, right? As nice as they are, depending how they spend their their, their tuition, um, it just didn't compare for the simple fact that when I would walk into a lab at Full Sail and see the production machines that you know you see in the videos and in the behind the scenes and the making ofs of like, oh, these are, you're learning on the tools that the pros are working on. Right. Yes, absolutely. From the so pros. That, from the pros, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was, this was back in 2004. Right. And I've been back to campus a few times and now you guys have like top of the line uh, QA labs with eye tracking and all that and, and VR setups. And uh, I haven't even seen the esports arena. Yeah. But oh, you I'm haven't sure been to the Fortress yet. Oh, man. The Fortress. That's a fantastic <laughs> thing, man. That's a fantastic thing. And as name. soon yeah, as so we can, we got to bring you down and, and have you check it out. Soon, Yo, as I, soon I just, as it makes sense, as soon as it's safe to do so. <laughs> as soon as life can go 
can go a step in the direction of what it used to be. Right? I don't think it's ever going to go back to like full normal. I don't know. I know. I hear you. You know, there's there's good and bad to that. That well, that is true. I mean, I was made to work from home, so I like I'm not, I'm not complaining <laughs> about that part. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I see, you got to figure it out. You got to right. figure it out. Like right. you got the whole setup. You're doing <laughs> double, triple, four things at once. That's leisure, right. yabby. That is right. That's the way to do it. Um, so then this so, is this is what kind of opened the door to full self for you, right? So you, you were lucky to have family down. You came, you saw everything, and like, how how was your family like like in town? Like, did you like end up like staying with some of them, or like how did you like how did you kind of orchestrate getting down here? Yeah. So obviously, going back home and telling my mom and my father, who were helping me get through college telling them and be like, Hey, I want to transfer. And guess what? None of the credits I've been racking up for three years are going to transfer over. <laughs> that's, that's a tough conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they knew me, they knew the type of, of man I was as far as my word and my academic background and my drive. And when I went to them and told them straight up, like, Hey man, I need to make a change. I need to get out of this this is not working for me. Mm. Um, you know, they gave me that chance. They gave me the chance to, to, you know, sink or swim. You know, there's a pretty big change, but you seem pretty adamant about it because to me, it was like, holy cow, I know I want to program and I can program games, right? Because up until then, all I saw was kind of web applications and, and front end things on the web. But, I knew and ate, slept, and breathed. I don't know if that's the word. I don't know the the tense of breathing. Um, but <laughs> breathed, I knew breathed, games. breathe, breathed. <laughs> <laughs> I knew gaming inside and out, right? Like I had been doing this since since NES days. Mm. Um, and and that's what I knew I could do, right? And I already had kind of a, a core basis for programming. And the good thing is, like, good man Cato was very honest and upfront at the behind the scenes, right? When you're coming in for game development, he's like, yo, you see all this fancy graphical things that you see when you play games? That's not what you're going to be doing. You're going to be living in the code. You're going to be writing code. You're going to be debugging code. Yeah. So when he, you know, and, and that's meant to be upfront and honest with, like, kind of, separate the part of the ocean yeah and he's one of the best at that too especially now when now that there's like a true game design degree he's one of those ones mm -hmm. like listen guys you gotta understand where where the differences are you know that kind of stuff <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> executives like i wish i had known that. <laughs> oh man um so he so that was that was music to my ears right uh and you know, went down to my aunt and she had a spare bedroom to let me crash. You know, I had a bunch of my younger cousins there and it worked out really well on their end too, because I was the only guy kind of, I was kind of the first in my family to, to go through with college, right? Like go okay. through and, and nice. pull the degree down and everything. So it was kind of a, a cool, I was the youngest in my family of a, like, I don't know, seven, eight siblings. Um, but being you able to have kind of, seven or eight siblings? 
all half half brothers half oh, okay sisters. gotcha okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I, I did not youngest. know that. <laughs> you you might see some clones of me, man, nice. out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it was really cool to be able to play that kind of big brother role to help them out with their homework and kind of show them like, hey, guys, you know, you may not see a lot of other people going down that traditional college route, but but I am and I'm going to follow this through. And they were super supportive, man. It was it was one of the best days of my life, like that uh final presentation and having them in the background being all improper and loud and screaming uh for my project it was really cool to nice. see that come full circle <laughs> that's awesome but that was a, that was a huge help as as you know right like not having to pay for rent and a house saved me a bunch of money and made it affordable yeah. for what i had at the time what i could do with with my my student loans uh and and yeah my commute was about anywhere from 30 to a, 30 minutes to an hour from where i was coming from you know if i if we had those like five to one courses coming home wasn't that bad but getting to class was was a good hour yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's uh man but that so I, I actually lived with my cousin while i was here uh, going to school and that was you have family yeah i did he um uh, and that was that was same situation like luckily we even lived in town so i didn't have to drive very far at all uh, but that was just like if it weren't for him i would i would not have been able to do it and i would definitely wouldn't be where i am so like I, yeah. I totally understand that that family feel yeah man it makes it makes a huge difference just having that like circle to come to right like classes are awesome and the way the curriculum is set up was really beneficial for me because uh, when I went traditionally, what I well, the biggest shock to me was the amount of free time I had. I had so much free time that it was like, oh man, how do I fill this? You know, gaming, taking advantage of the the campus land, uh, and all types of social extracurricular activities, right? That were yeah. not academic, <laughs> right? Uh, Did you uh, when you started? Was it a bachelor's program yet, or was it still an associates? It was, it was, so I started September 04, and I think that was probably a few months in to the bachelors okay. when that started getting rolled. Cause you guys kind of did it like you guys were doing it in a wave, right? Like there was people still going through the associates. Yeah. They usually the teach bachelor. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Were, so were you in class with Rusty? Like, did you guys go through together or did you just get to know each other from being around the school together? I did not know Rusty oh, until didn't? I got to Midway. Oh, okay, cool. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, and I was a few classes, probably a month or two, in front of some of my best buds now, like Bulla mm-hmm. and Doug Burton and and Josh Hamrick and those guys. Yeah. Um. So, but you know, uh, spoiler, they graduated before me. Gotcha. Yep. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rusty Semsrot, that's the dude. Yes, sir. Yeah, we had him on a few weeks ago. I love that dude. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Like eyes glued, popcorn, trying to work at the same time. <laughs> it was a really awesome interview. Nice, good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I did wholeheartedly. Yeah. I, yeah, um, Angry Spartan. You can go in the archives and check that one out. It was a few weeks old, I think. Yeah, and actually, I decided I'm going to turn these into podcasts, too. So I'm going to start up a podcast and start uploading these so people can just subscribe and listen to them, 
you know, on their on their mobile devices as well. So, so just know, I like that. Just know I'm you're going to be on a podcast. podcast. <laughs> oh crap! <laughs> okay, so you you recording the, these? Oh, you, you're converting them. I will convert. You're like this retroactively one. Yeah, converting yeah. them. Yep. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Kudos, and I'm down to support however I can on that one because I love podcasts specifically when I'm walking my little guy throughout those quarantine fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like listening to stuff. Yeah, and there's not enough game development podcasts. Like I can count I on one hand. There's not that many, are, and if there are, know? they're hard to find, right? So that's, they are. That I, I I looked. I, man, I look for content like this. Like there's not many streams like this at all either. So that's one of the reasons uh-huh. I want to do this. Is like my my passion here is to help people that are interested, and mostly people that are either learning to do this or have always wanted to, or just getting mm. started, right? And that just because like you and I both remember what it was like when we graduated and we're like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, you know, like, like, I don't know anybody out there that does this. Like, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it's a ghost town. Right. Cause like, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to jump around if, if you guys are okay to like Tarantino around the, the, the sequence. Um, but it wasn't until GDC where I got to be around other, real developers right that yeah. are not just kind of names on the back of a box or rolling through credits I mean, oh wow you know they're real people and humans and i can talk to them right mm-hmm. dude that's the biggest thing i always try to tell people is like we're all just normal people we, we just yeah. we just are doing something that that people think is cool you know right like or that, that that some people and that you might think is cool like we're still just normal human beings so like it's yeah. it's it's crazy like it's very cool no, I'm not normal. I didn't say. I guess I did say normal. I, did. <laughs> nah, <laughs> I would man. not. I would not call myself normal. But nah, you you are, you are one of those like high functioning dudes that can do like ten different things at once. I try. It's <laughs> a way to do it. It was, it was funny the other day. I was I was thinking about how like during this pandemic, you know, I I didn't know what was going to happen. Right? With like, was I going to have a lot of free time? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then it ended up being like. Work ended up being busier than ever because esports didn't stop and education mm-hmm. didn't stop. And then I ended up consulting. I'm currently consulting on two different design projects and I'm streaming four nights a week. So it's like, I don't, I don't have time. Like what's time. So, uh, <laughs> yo, consulting is the dream. And when I hear you and uh, Shank, when I hear you and Shank talk about freelancing and consulting, I'm like, Oh, Grant. Yeah. I'm like, that's the dream. You can just kind of <laughs> drop into a project, <clears throat> turn some knobs, yeah. ride with them, kind of steer them out of the the dark, despaired trenches, and then zoom out, jump out, yeah. and see the see the end. However many years down the line, I've done that. But I've also one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm doing an entire meta game design for a new game that's in pre-production. So like I'm like legit working. <laughs> okay. So like, okay. It, it, yeah, it can be any of those, right? Just depending on the situation and the trust factor and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's good times. Dude, and, good times. and you got all that, you got the, that breadth of experience, right? Like you've seen so many design loops and iterations. Yeah, that... I'm old. I'm, yeah, you got it. I'm old. Yeah. So I... <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to put it that way. No, no. 20 years though, man. February will be 20 years that I've been doing this. Yo. So it's crazy. That's yo. That's that's, that's epic. That's epic. Like I, I saw, who is it? B gamer. B gamer straight up was like starstruck when he first met you. It's <laughs> a good one. That always cracks me up. 
Because like I, oh. I love like I personally like to just be an open and approachable type person. Like I just I just want to talk to people. I want to get to know you. I want to help you out. Whatever. So when I see stuff like that, I'm like that just it doesn't doesn't compute for me. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yo, what's up, Will? How you doing, buddy? <clears throat> so yeah, man. My man. <laughs> That's right. My man. I'll do, I'll, do, I'll do the sound effect for you. There we go. My man. Yeah. I've been doing this for as long as B-Gamer's been alive. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a thing, I guess. Yeah. It was funny. There were times yeah. where I would teach students that weren't born yet when I got into the industry, and I'm just like, that's, that's a little insane to me. But that's where we're at, right? That's, that's, they're the ones that are going to come and surpass everything we've ever done, so, mm-hmm. and we're going to help them get there. That's the goal. And it's still a young industry, right? It is. It really is. Like, like the craft of game development and game design is still new for 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 new for me. I mean, yeah, you know, well, for everyone, like, right? Like, in, this is an entertainment thing. Like, you know, like we've had we've had books forever. We've had movies forever. You know, like this medium is only what fifty years old, really? It, like fully? Yeah. Like it's it's it really it's only more like. 30 to 40 years old. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's just kind of crazy to think about. And the Ooh, fact yeah. that we're still coming up with new genres in games all the time. It's just, you and, just never know where it's going to go. And new, new roles. Yep. Right. Like I'm seeing a bunch of new roles now or, or new specialties. Yep. Right. Cause I I'll always try to, it's, it's funny. I always try to tell people, Hey, be as general as you can, or, when you find the thing you like and are good at, specialize to to the to the pit, right? Like specialize to the to the grain. Yeah. Well, like technical designer didn't exist, you know, a decade ago. Like no nobody was a technical designer. So like we did the like people did things from that role, but like mm-hmm. the first person I know that like had that role was Rusty, and that's because I helped him get it. Like, like that was ah. that was like like one of the first ones I even knew of where we we're like, no, actually this is someone that's a designer at heart who wants to focus on making tools for designers, yep. right? Like that's, that's, yeah. that's a, a valiant thing to do. Yeah. In fact, when I, when I graduated and I was applying at roles, right? I made that, I made that obvious uh, critical mistake where I was actually being picky, Right. I was like, hey, I'm only going to work in New York or I'm going to work in Orlando. Right. Like those are the only two places I'm going to look for work in. And (laughs) once I was getting crickets uh, in response (laughs) to my applications with zero experience, right? all my resume said was, you know, my my SGD project, my final project and probably, I don't know, my AI project or something. That's all that was on there. Right. Those are the things (laughs) that I, I wanted to talk about. Uh, B Gamer says, am I from NY? Yes, sir. I'm from, I'm sorry. I don't know if, how you identify. I don't mean to be uh, binary like that. But yeah, I'm from New York City. That's like nice. first generation American in the family, born and bred over there. Nice. And I had to escape, right? Like I was going to college in, in Stony Brook in Long Island. And, uh, you know, going back to that, to that, like getting out, going to full sale was also an element of like having a circle of friends that wanted to come hang out and was distracting, right? But but in a good way, realizing that by getting out and going to full sale, I was able to kind of focus. And again, that curriculum worked in my favor, right? Those 
four hours of lecture, four hours of lab, one hour of lunch in between, and then kind of go home, game a little bit, yeah. pass out, do it again, really helped coding sink in, right? For me, the type of, the type of way that, that I learn hands-on, uh, that, that's, that I need that kind of boot camp environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you there. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to let you pause for a second, catch your breath. I'm going to take another shot. Okay, it- sir. <laughs> I still got three to two? take right now. So I snuck one in while you were talking before. <clears throat> this is number three, but then I got, I got to get to number five and we got a special song for number five. So I'm looking forward to that. Solo asked, uh, what's a favorite game you ever worked on? Uh, so of the ones that shipped, because I have, I have a few dear ones that never saw the light of day or are still in development. Um, but of the ones that shipped, I... It's working tough question. On, <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's, it's it, Grand Theft Auto V, for sure was a fun one to work on. Um, and we can get into details if they come up, but you know, when I first got to Rockstar, I was working on Red Dead Redemption. Love that game, man. Dude. Love that game I so would, much. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things. Oh, I got, I got like uh, some landscaping going on outside. I'm sorry oh, if that bothers you. Okay, cool. Damn, this mic is awesome. It's not yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Red Dead Redemption was was amazing because we were working on it, and the team internally felt like there was something special. But because there was nothing like it before, we had no clue how the world was gonna receive it. You know? Right. Yeah. So we we were kind of we didn't know, and and. That's kind of the, when the best things in life happen, right? Is when you have low expectations, kind of anything above that takes off. You're you're ecstatic, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but that you know that that was one type of of set of tool set and work environment, and we were the primary studio on that, right? Rockstar San Diego. Yeah. So when we shifted to GTA Five. We were the support studio, right? North was handling all the main mission uh, important stuff, you can say. So we were given kind of the ambient world to fill up and populate with whatever we thought was cool and fun. And so having that that kind of uh, secondary vibe or not having the focus or the eye of Sauron of like, hey, this is the, the the golden path content that everybody's going to see and it needs to be a hundred percent polished yeah um allowed us to really experiment and take advantage of the crazy systems that are running underneath the hood to see what like emergent gameplay would pop up uh and as i'm working i kid you not you know we had the the you know how you have the radio in game Mm -hmm. so as the months go on those assets start coming in little by little. So I'm no longer listening to like my Spotify playlist. I'm listening to like all the (laughs) in-game radio stations and the crazy conversations that go on as I'm working in the game. Right. So I just felt like in the world, as I'm working on it, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Right. Like 
there's something to be said for being immersed in the game you're working on so much to a degree where you can where it kind of inspires more yeah. design ideas, yeah, right? Definitely. Creative freedom. It's a, it's a thing. How do you handle the canceling on a project? Dan, there's a bunch of questions I see here. Yeah. We'll get to them. I mean, you feel okay. free to, feel free to, to answer any of them that you like. Uh, I mean, canceling a project is a tough one. And and it depends yeah. that really often depends on the situation. Like how, how much time do we put into it? What was your role on the project? Right. Cause if it's <laughs> like there, my, my first lead on a project was canceled. And so like, that's, oh. that's extra rough, you know, like, so there's those kind of things that matter. I think a lot of it depends on, uh, you know, what, what your role is, how long you ran into it, you know, what kind of game it was. Is it something you were excited about or something, you know, a lot to that. <sighs> Absolutely, Jameson. I mean, I gotta. I can't even empathize with you because, yeah, when you're the lead, you know that's a that's a that's that's your baby, right? Like a lot of the the core gameplay is is from your head, right? Right. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's a, that 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 it's never easy, uh, in any aspect, and I and I've been through it a few times, and every <laughs> time it's hurt and sucked and the studio has recognized it right where they kind of like i don't know organized some type of team event before and after and uh I, yeah i kind of been through the, through the spectrum on that right like i don't know if some of the guys at midway talked about it uh but that that straight up then you know we were pulled into a room we were pulled into kind of the the main meeting hall or main meeting or the lobby of the studio. And the whole team is gathered there and you have, I can't even remember the executive's name, come into the studio and make the announcement that, you know, thank you for all the work you've done. You guys are amazing, but, you know, effective immediately, your project is canceled and you guys are laid off. Right, like oh man, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, uh, and then that was that was my second project, I think, yeah, second project ever. Um, but I was surrounded by people that were telling you know from like a claim, right, in Austin, Texas, that were telling me that that this is rare and they actually handled it well, and the fact that we had X amount of months of severance was something that months was. that's nice <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's the same reaction i get right i guess like oh you know this is not common and and we should actually be appreciative when odd world shut down i got two weeks <laughs> of severance oh. yeah <laughs> how, good times good times how much development was had been had gone into it when when odd world shut down like when yeah. that was when the whole company shut down like back okay. and uh, we'd finished stranger's wrath you know we yeah, got our, yeah. we got our shipping bonuses and all that stuff we were working on another game and we'd probably put like nine months or so into it so we weren't very far but they're like yo we're we're closing the studio like we're done and because we were in the middle of we were going to move up to the bay area and so like we'd oh. all agreed to move like some of us had started like put getting leases up there and all that kind of stuff and it was man it was a, a crazy time crazy time indeed you gotta like completely do a 360 you have all these plans set in stone yeah 
and that's exciting too to get up to California. That's where I North went anyway. Cal- I went up. I went up to the Bay Area anyway and worked at EA. So <laughs> that's when I made that move. So you knew. So you okay? Since you had things already in play up there, you went ahead and kind of uh, looked for work up there. It wasn't that as much as since I was already looking there. I was into the idea, so I I looked. And, well, I didn't even really have to look. When we shut down, a bunch of companies came to us. So, but oh. then, then I kind of narrowed my search to, to that area. So, that's awesome. Yeah, it worked out that's pretty awesome. well. So, like, just a bunch of talent up for grabs. At that's that right. Point. Like, yeah. when companies find out about that, because, like, that's the thing about this industry is all studios have good talent generally, right? Hmm. And we all know <laughs> that circumstances, when a company shuts down, that generally does not mean that the people that are there are not talented, right? So, yep. so other companies should be trying to pick those people up as quickly as they can. So, yeah, and that's that we were lucky that that happened. That's like a, a foreclosure, right? You're like, oh, you know, time to get mm-hmm. in. The price, the price is right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> get in while the getting's good. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen companies really reap the benefits of that. Like, uh, it's funny. I started out at Midway, and then. I, after Rockstar ended up at Warner Brothers Games and they picked up the Mortal Kombat franchise. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think, you know, that that alone was worth whatever money they invested or paid. And I'm sure they got it cheap when Midway was going bankrupt. Uh, but look at that. They're already on like, I don't know, 11 and another great fighter next to it in Injustice. Nice. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you adjust being relatively far from family in New York? I mean, you, you well, luckily you had family in Orlando, but when you went out to I get Midway's in Texas, right? Like yes, that- yes. So, so luckily, uh, family in Orlando and uh, a, a good sized family and aunts, cousins, uncles, and my father who lived in Dominican Republic would come visit, right? And then family and and you know, it's I don't know if you call them snowbirds or whatever, but living in nyc people look to any excuse to get down to warmer climate when it's winter yeah right yeah so it was great to have an excuse to come visit john uh when i was down there that's right (laughs) um and and yeah so i i I have a story about migrating to austin and, and what that was all like getting that job uh but yeah to answer will's will fitzgerald's question it was the 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 Midway crew under Harvey Smith, right? So that's Josh Hamrick, Doug Burton, Chris Shaparro, Danny Buller, Joe Kincaid, and Rusty. I hope I'm not leaving anyone else out. Andy Boggs. I think you, yeah, you mentioned everybody I'm aware of, I think. Yep. Legendary. <laughs> that was a legendary crew. That was, that was like the big crew that I always heard about that was, you know, shortly after me, you know, that I would always hear about. This was the crew that kind of came out and was kicking ass there and then spread out throughout the industry. So you guys were killing it. Still are. That's great. Man, yeah. I heard all those guys, man. And I'm fortunate. A good handful of them are now in Seattle. So not yeah. they're within arm's reach. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh John, can you say, <laughs> "Hey, I'm wa- I'm walking over here." See, I don't even talk like that. That's more like Italian Brooklyn accent. <laughs> you, you said you like, were in Long Island, right? Uh, is that where? Uh, so, like, home home was like um, Spanish Harlem area, and that's like the Upper East Side of Manhattan. 
uh long island was for university oh, okay gotcha yeah but but brothers in brooklyn and I, yeah i love all those uh <laughs> all the stone movies man and it, yeah but a lot of italian neighborhoods for sure so uh why don't, so you said you had a story about getting to to austin and midway what was what was that yeah. about okay so going back to graduating like september 06 or something and then enjoying time and going through the holidays and then starting my search for real in january right like new year's resolution all right time to get a job uh and put this degree to work and you know again going back to like being picky and only applying to places in new york of which there were very little yeah <laughs> and in orlando of which there were more but a few you know, more, not, a few more, <laughs> yeah. but not interested in a, in a, in a, in a person with no experience. Right. Yeah, right. And, and I'll admit my GPA wasn't all that good either. Right. But I survived. I survived <laughs> and hung on. Nice. Uh, and so for whatever reason, Rob Coble, uh, who, who, who I owe my foot in this industry to, was the old uh what, what, what they call him man like career development head yeah and Alum, uh, was it yeah career dev or alumni relations i can't remember what yeah exactly he was, so in, he, but... he was mr networking right yep. like he he was like hey you send me a resume and i'll make sure it's as good as it can be um and i took him up on that and and so when the time came sometime around march or April, I want to say, of 2007, you know, by this point, I was able to kind of cross-reference and hear in Rusty's interview and to kind of fill in the blanks there, because what I think was happening was that Harvey Smith and the old crew, right, so it was Kent Hudson, Ricardo Bear, and Jim Stiefelmeyer, right, that was kind of like the executive design team over there, um, and so as I watched the Rusty interview, I realized that they were already over there making a great name for us. So when they were like, hey, we're trying to finish this game and push it across the finish line, and we have like less than a year left on development, they knew where they can come to get talented help right, right for what they were looking for. Uh, and fortunately, I think this was like the second or third round. <laughs> they, would, they would kind of come back. <laughs> we need more. Right, we need, Let's go get some more. <laughs> we need more of you guys, right? Uh, and so they came and Rob, you know, made it happen. He put my name in, in the mix. And I showed up. I kid you not, Jameson. I showed up like what my nicest dress button-down shirt with a tie and slacks and like all manicured up, ready to go, right? Like, hey, this is my first interview ever. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm ready, right? And I walk in there, and I meet Harvey, right? And I, I can't, I, you know, unbeknownst to me, he had kind of an aura around him too, <laughs> right? And and Jim, and so I get in there, and I don't know what to expect, right? But I, but I, I've kind of touched up on all my coding, and they start coming at me with some of the coolest questions you're ever going to hear, right? That are just easy to talk about, at least for me, right? If, if I was kind of nervous and I had my guard up, 
they start coming at me like, hey, John, you know, talk to me about Bruce Wayne. You know, why is Bruce Wayne such a cool character or a relatable character, right? Why, why is he such a pop icon figure? And I'm like, oh, well, I could talk about that, man. I grew up on comic books in the 90s, right? Like, this was, this was like, this is my nerd cred. And, uh, and other questions like, hey, talk to me about a game that you don't like and tell me why you don't like it and, and tell me how you would improve it, right? Like, just general design thinking, right? Trying to understand how you think. And then <clears throat> classic, like, open-ended Google questions that you'll get, right? Like, hey, if I ask you to find me like a hundred butterflies in the field, you know, how would you go about that? Uh, and one of my favorite design questions that I use myself when I'm interviewing people is like, hey, design me an elevator system in a skyscraper, right? I love that one. I love that one. And, uh, huh. and, and so, you know, that, so it, and before I knew it, it was over. And I walk out of there kind of like, like, what just happened? You know, like, where am I? What, what just happened? Kind of like, who was I talking to? And, I, you know, I go call some friends up, call my brother up, tell him how my interview went, you know, general kind of gave him my best shot. We'll see what happens. And I get home and I get a phone call from an Austin, Texas number. And I look at this number and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody from Texas. I don't want to move. I don't want to go to Austin. I don't want to leave my family, leave what I know. And I don't pick up. I let it kind of go to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I, it shocked me, bro. I was like, whoa, 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 it's getting too real. I'm not ready. Right. Right. Uh, then I get an email from Harvey, you know, kind of breaking it down. Like, Hey, you know, interview went well. We'd love for you to come meet the team and do an on-site. Uh, and so I respond to that with like, okay. You know, actually, I don't, I don't think I respond right away. I go talk to my cousins and, and aunts, and they all tell me the same thing. You know, like, hey, John, if this is where the work is, you got to take it. And they were all unanimously at the time, you know, Midway was was a a big AAA publisher. Right. Um, and a heck of a start, a heck of a, a place to get your foot in the door for. And so they kind of snapped me out of it and worked me up to reality. It's like, hey, I don't have the luxury of being picky, right? I got to go where the work is. And and they were all super supportive in terms of like, hey, we'll come visit you. And, uh, you know, it's not that far, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, Oh yeah, Solo Venomous. Yeah, I got some buddies at Psionics in San Diego. Uh for sure we can talk about that. But um so I you know, I go to my I I I go on site. Again, I'm dressed to the nines and they all make fun of me. They're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know, that's that's not how we how we dress around here. You got to be more casual. You got to be more <laughs> relaxed. They all told me you know, I was what, like 23 at the time. They all told me that they thought I was way older. They thought I was in my 30s just by like, I guess how I was dressed. <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah, they're making making fun of me. That that's one of the, I'm I'm really glad you said that because there's two things about this story that I love so far. One that because I always told people for years that I would never hire anyone that came to an interview in a tie. 
<laughs> and the the reason for that is because like th- dude have you ever worn a tie to work ever never like, never. like only, that's just not what this industry like, is right only on like uh impersonation days or yeah. something like or that. like if you're you going know? to a company party for a holiday party right like you know like you, yeah. there's there's dress up occasions but that's mm. not how that's not the vibe of this industry and not it's a quick all. tell to know if someone is you know understanding what kind of work environment they're going to be in right so yeah that's uh that that's uh, always been a thing for me in the past, but it's it, I always say that I don't know if I if it's actually true, but that's that's my general thought about that, right? And the- <laughs> it's it's true, it's true. It was like it, it it screams noob doesn't know what's going on, right? Like and and so that was I think that worked out for me because they're like, all right, this guy's clearly uh, a first timer, you know. So let's kind of approach him right. <laughs> through that lens. <laughs> The other thing you brought up, I love the questions that they asked you about like the elevator and Bruce Wayne and that kind of stuff. Because what I try to get people to understand is as a designer, what your job is, is problem solving. That's your job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and thinking about something like when they ask you about how is a character relatable, right? Like the problem is creating relatable characters, right? What Being able to dissect what makes something relatable and understanding, right? And then thinking yes. about a system like, if if you need an elevator system, like you've probably never thought about that before, right? Not a, but then not, now not you're not like, a, oh, how would I solve that problem, right? Like that's yeah. that's that's what we do. That's what we do all the time, and that's it's so important that those are really good kind of questions to like kind of dig in and and see what your thought process is because that's what we care about. Exactly, and, and on your feet, right? Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. Games, you're gonna get the craziest things blowing up or not working or half built and you're up against the deadline and you just got to make this thing work and you got to think on your feet and the clock is ticking and people want to go home uh and you know for your despite best intentions people want like do you have a line of people waiting to move forward on something and they need some type of guidance or direction uh so it's a great litmus you know it's like how do you think on your feet and and what i realized too going through these interviews time and time again is it's it's a great test to see your collaborative vibe right in the beginning i felt the pressure of hey i gotta have all the answers and anytime i don't have an answer i have failed but now you know with the experience i have behind me i love inviting them to help me solve the problem, right? You know, and being able to ask some questions. And then, hey, I can go about it two ways. Uh, I want to do it kind of like, uh, I want to have maybe, I don't know, a touch interface, or I want to have a more old school, like tactile buttons on the panel, you know, which, which way should I go, right? And then that kind of invites them into the thinking, right? Or as opposed to just a one-man show. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that's the work environment, right? It's never going to be one guy standing in front being like, okay, here's the answer to your problem. Here's the design. Execute it. No, it's collaborative give and take. Some, and it's it's rarely going to be what you what you intended to be. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. the thing I try to tell people is, you know, while being able to, thinking on your feet is a crucial key skill, right? But that doesn't mean you need the solution immediately. <laughs> Right. Like we can go look up solutions to things. We can collaborate on solutions. Right. 
but you've got to have the ability to do it. Like you can't be someone who's like, I am going to pound at this problem until I solve it and spend five days on this thing that you could have talked to someone else and figured out in a few hours. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of it's knowing about what your limits are and, and knowing who the right people to talk to are and who to collaborate with and, and how to do that effectively. So there's just, there's so much to it. People skills mean a lot, especially when you're a designer. Yeah. The soft skills. I think um, that's something that has worked in my favor is, you know, I've had a lot of uh, interviews that have gone awry just because I don't know, over the phone or by taking the test, you don't really get to see that side of a person. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I've made it to in person generally have worked out in my favor because uh, you instantly get that kind of personable side and you can see that um, what, what I have to offer in a, in, in a collaborative yeah. environment, right? Like yeah. anytime, you know, I'll tell all you guys, anytime that you can whiteboard, take advantage of it um, and, and be as uh, open and honest and, and speak through your thought process. Man. Uh, and that usually goes a long way, especially 100%. for design. A hundred percent. And that's why I tell people to blog their work too, especially student projects. Yeah. Like, Show me, you know, like show like if you're working on something and you can give me daily blog updates about problems you came up with and how you solve them or who you collaborated with. Like that gives me a lot of thought into your, you know, into your thought, a lot of look into your thought process. And that means a lot. So that, that's a great that's a great advice, because these are the type of things that people want to hear from you when you're getting asked for you know, when you're interviewing for a job, they want to, yeah. you know, that, again, writing is one of the best tools and something that I wish I invested more in when I was in college, right? Like it comes <laughs> up at Amazon extensively, right? Anything I want to push forward, I have to eloquently write it out and get that edited and revisited and, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 times before it goes up the next level for like green light. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. one other thing you, you just made me think of, and I can't believe I've never thought about this before. I think in interviews, I'm going to start having someone collaborate on a design problem. Like instead of just seeing how they, how they spin through something on their own, which you also yeah. want to see, but I would love to like yeah. either, either work with them on something or like put them into a small group and just see like one, how do they adapt with working with strangers? How do you know, like there's some interesting Absolutely. stuff that could come out of that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to noodle on that now. <laughs> Yo, I mean, it's, it's serious because I find, I find some places that don't invest as well. Right. Cause interviewing, I think interviewing done right. Amazon does it, does it as good as I've seen because on our end, we're constantly kind of reviewing and critiquing ourselves to see how we could have made that better and smoother and gotten the data to figure out if the person is going to be a good fit. So th that has allowed me to kind of reanalyze what I've seen in the past is that you can definitely tell when someone comes into an interview, uh, an interviewer comes into an interview, kind of a resume just dropped on his desk. Hey, you're going to be talking to so-and-so today or mm -hmm. in 30 minutes, right? And they just kind of like, hey, you know, the, the, the typical, hey, tell me about a time when you had a problem. How did you solve it, right? Like kind of those. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like, 
while those are applicable to the types of things you run into on the job, your job, they miss out on what you're actually going to be doing at work, right? Which is collaborating, uh, running ideas off of somebody, and then taking that, that feedback and criticism and seeing how you handle it. Yeah. You know? Definitely. So, so I, I really like the idea of throwing someone, like, you know, taking one of your designers and be like, all right, you and him, you're going to solve this problem. Like, it's like a role-playing thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, Absolutely. Right, here's the problem. You're, you're, you're a lead designer, you're a QA or something, and, 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 and uh, you know, the, um, I don't know, the stealth detection system is broken, right? Like, and this is the bug. How do you solve it, right? Like, yeah. I think that'd be fantastic. I think the candidate would leave that being like, yo, I want to work at this place <laughs> or not. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, like, that dude I collaborated with was an asshole. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah absolutely man and, and and i love that good cop bad cop man when you can have two people in there yeah and one's being kind of harder than the other yep so, i love interviewing in pairs i love it <laughs> i think i think that's great man yeah. especially for design yeah right? I, I can only speak to design interviews because that's all i've ever done um which i again i had no idea or plan to go into design when I left Full Sail, right? In my head, I thought, okay, what can I do right now? What have I done that I'm comfortable in? Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, gameplay programming, I'm pretty good at, and tools programming, I'm pretty good at. Don't come talk to me about no rendering stuff, and don't come talk to me about no networking stuff. Right. Everything else I can kind of figure out. <clears throat> yeah. All right, I'm going to take another quick shot. I got, I got number sure. four, and then I got number five coming after that. So I want to, I want us to, to back up a little bit. I want to, I want to make sure we touch on a little bit of each of your positions. Sure. So when you got to, to Austin, tell us a little bit about what, because you went there, you worked on black site. No, you worked at Midway for black site. Yep. And then you went to, to arcane. No, wait, those were the same. You went to work with, with Harvey at on black site. Is that right? Yeah, so I okay. was at Midway for a couple of years. It was Black Site and then a project that got canceled. And then some time in between looking for work before I ended up at Rockstar in San Diego. Right. And so yeah. what was Black Site like? Like, because um, you, you had a lot of you guys. That was what you were finishing up. You went to help them close. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So imagine. And I always give a shout out to DJ Jones because... <laughs> If he hadn't left that role open for me, you know, I don't know if they would have came back to campus to look to look for me. Well, and he uh, went to Rockstar when he evacuated yes. that role, right? So uh, there's yeah. a further connection there. So yes, <laughs> the bridges, man, we yeah. form bridges. That's right. We're like paratroopers. Um, uh, so yeah, so that allowed that role, and again, they hired me on as a designer. Mm -hmm. little did i know that that's what i that's what i had the skills to do right but a little bit of that is again being a geek and being super into games and pop culture and comic books and movies um and card games and things like this um and and, and being able to somewhat eloquently speak to them right unbeknownst to me right like today if i if i talk to 23 year old john today i'd be like yo you don't know what you're talking about right right uh, <laughs> but um the the programming okay so get to get to midway and day one it's here's unreal 3 
and here's kismet you know our visual scripting language um reverse engineer what we have ask questions to the other scripters on the team right again we're all we're all game designers mm -hmm. but there was definitely a clear separation between level designers or real game designers that live in kind of the paper world designing systems and maps and what i consider most of us full sailors to be more systems designers and more scripters yeah implementers yeah implementers right like how can us who have no real experience contribute and say so you tell us what you want to see happen and we'll we'll figure out a way to make that happen right, right? that's what <laughs> i was really good at ingraining in us uh and and yeah i, I felt like by then we only had i think unreal 2 right we got to make a level or, or in unreal 2 at one of the it's a class that came after windows programming i forget the one it was but that was the only exposure i had in unreal at that time mm. and this was fresh off the back of <clears throat> gears of war right uh epic had released gears of war and all the studios were madly licensing unreal I'm like oh man we can make a game that looks like that using this engine <laughs> sign us up you know here's a million bucks right like uh we're we're on it and and it was you know as you imagine any technology at that stage it was very fragile right uh, yeah <laughs> it, it was built to do gears of war very well and anything that deviated from that type of game was going to have a hard time and need to be pounded on by by very intelligent and and brilliant engineers right uh, but um that that was great because that's the first time i had seen the beauty of all of the programming experience we had at that point and being able to marry it to this visual scripting node-based spaghetti language called Kismet at the time, right? Like for anybody out there, it's it's kind of the very first seeds of blueprint. Right. And even then it's super abstracted because it was much more high level. Uh and <clears throat> I I think I don't even think you could debug, right? You had to like log out to make sure things were firing. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I never used Kismet, but I was familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you ain't missing out, man. Blueprint is such a better tool. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere I've worked, we've had proprietary engines. So, like, okay. like literally everywhere. I've never, I've never, like, in my career worked on, like, here's Unreal or here's Unity. Like, I had to learn those on my own on the side, so. How... Out of curiosity, the proprietary tools, or do they end up being kind of like uh, similar? Do they have oh, yeah. their own in-house scripting language? Yeah. Like it's a te text-based? So at Oddworld, we had, it was all C-based. So I was, you know, we okay. essentially, oh, awesome. so, and they built the engine inside of Maya. So like we would go okay. into Maya, we would open the level, and then we would like, open a script, like a custom built scripting thing that would open up a, you know, a C file for me to like put a file on. It was essentially a file attached to that object. Right. So, okay, and, nice. and so like, if I opened up the, you know, a character or, you know, an NPC, it would have its own script file that I could put conditionals in and all that stuff. So 
Um, and then like, I also had like each level had it's a master script where we could go in. I just, you know, built out essentially, here's everything that happens in the level. Here's all the conditionals from other levels, all that kind of stuff. So awesome. So, awesome. But then after that, it was all visual scripting because on Godfather and the Simpsons game, we used renderware studio. Well, I guess that technically was a, it was, te- well, it was technically a, you know, an engine, but they bought it and we like totally changed it right like it was now just made for those games but it had a visual scripting tool with it and then they built one called neo that they like built from scratch and it was similar uh but it was still kind of its own thing and then we custom built at at volition a a essentially a state machine the visual state machine that we used for scripting there and then we moved into our visual scripting engine which very much was like blueprint like it, okay. it, it took a lot from blueprint. Yeah. 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 Why, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Right. Um, I, I like, I like a lot of what I'm hearing though, because Maya, just, just that layout, just to be able to have some type of visual representation of like, okay, here's what I'm seeing in game. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's the setup or here's the mission actors. And Hey, I want to, I want to change the behavior there. I can, I can click on, the actor and then see what script is attached to that and right. modify it. Yeah. And then you have the the persistent level script in case any any like global preferences need to be modified yep. or tweaked for like exactly. after this condition is satisfied, make the other mission, spawn the other mission or something. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh yeah, un- Unreal 3 and kismet scripting a whole lot of that and then um so the programming definitely helped there and we work what i liked about how midway was set up and you can talk to if this is kind of common is we were set up in a strike team format so Mm -hmm. we had a level designer we had myself the scripter then we had our two environment artists we all shared an audio guy and a UI person um, and an animation resource. Uh, but the, yeah, that, that was our, our strike team or pod format, right? Is that, is that common from what That's, you've seen? That is my favorite way to work. And, and it's funny you uh, called it a pod because that, a pod is what we called it. Where do we call it a pod? I think we called it a pod at EA. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was like, yeah, man, I, that is my favorite way to work. I love it. Dude, right? There's something about like how fast you can move through a scene or a level or an encounter when you have all those other disciplines. Like you could just turn around and be like, "Hey, look at this!" or "Hey, play this." Um, oh, I'm stuck here. What, how can we change this? Oh, the, the player just walked right past that. Uh, what can we, you know? Can we change the lighting? Or hey, John, this is broke. Right? Like I find that there's there's awesome QA and feedback and then iteration that happens in that yeah. setup that doesn't yeah. happen in the you know the dis- the same discipline mashed together working on different areas well it's also the thing that i love most about that setup is the ownership because in that mm. scenario programmers and artists and people that don't normally get as involved in the decision making process are much more involved and they get to like have their expertise be known immediately right so when you're having a conversation, yeah. it's like, hey, we need to do this thing. And instead of us having to kind of collaborate and figure out an idea and then present it to other people, we can have experts. We we have a group of experts from every area that can pick apart the ideas that we have, that can suggest ideas that are easier to implement, 
you know, like mm. all that stuff. And, and, and there are oftentimes where like a coder would be like, oh, I did something similar to that before. I've already got 70% of the work you're talking about. I can grab that, refactor some stuff, and it'll take us half the time we're even talking about. Like that stuff happens all the time or in vice versa. That's going to take three times as long as you think it will. Right. So like those, yeah. those are really good things because they're the one on the hook for it. Right. So Yo. they get, they get impassioned and emboldened about it. Yo, you're absolutely right, man. That ownership can only really happen in that regards because when you're isolated in your own corner, working on your own thing, you don't see it in context, right? Just like, like you said, Hey, uh, the feature works on my machine. I check it in, and then there's some type of middleman turnaround time that happens before the the designer or whoever is working on that picks it up and runs with it, right? And then there's kind of like that delay. But when you guys are all sitting next to each other, that that feedback and that ownership, like I, the, you're right. There was a lot of times where I didn't have to say anything. I'm just playing it, and people are watching, and they'll spot something like, oh. That's not supposed to happen that way. Let me go. Let me go fix that real quick, right? Yeah. And then come come back and turn around. Okay, grab sync to latest and then check and test that out, right? And so there is there is a magic there, like you said. And I I didn't even kind of attribute that to that that sense of ownership. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And yeah. and that was one of the reasons where at Volition we went to a, a like a flat structure for for a couple of years really was to help build that ownership right when you don't have someone above you telling you what to do and you get to mm -hmm. own that that's that's great right now there were a lot of other problems with that architecture but, um, <laughs> but you know we we we, uh, we eventually moved back out of that but <laughs> but it, but you learned a lot about that right you know and like that it was important because of that ownership and people care about that and they, they do better work right people do better work yeah. when you get to when you when you feel like your ideas are heard and that your expertise is valued and that you, yes. and, and you're signing up to do the thing that you are confident is going to work. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that at different points in development, it doesn't, it's not applicable, right? Like I would say when you're prototyping the pod format works really well, oh, right? Yeah. You can yeah. really get something amazing put up before you figure out the formula to take into production, right? Then you can kind of go back to the more traditional route. Yeah. You know, yep. That's true. Know. That's true. But yeah, it's yeah. probably a much better format for earlier in development. And then when you get into closing time, we need to make decisions quickly. Right. So mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then, so, um, uh, work closely with rusty, right. Cause he was, he was always, the 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 jack of all trades the most familiar with kismet scripting and he was working in the back like as a as a as a tech designer seeing the problems that we were running into on the scripting team mm -hmm. and working with the engineering resources he had to build tools to make some of these things easier and and i really clicked with him because i was always I love to have those conversations with him, right? Like, like there's one thing to make gameplay happen on screen, and there's another thing to empower things to happen faster and then get to like a, a real deeper level of polish or fun. And as time went on, by the time we shipped that thing, uh, there was an opportunity to step into a tech design role and i remember the day 
you know, and, and so this was kind of this. I can talk to I can talk to the thing about do the job you that that you see needs to be done, mm-hmm. and you might get that job. Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, so so I was here uh-huh. in game design world, and on the next project, I was pushed into more of a traditional level design role, of which I'll admit that that is my weakness. Right, I just don't have that same acumen. Like, I have a buddy that gave me the the secret sauce. Right, he would be like, "Yo, if you want to get good at level design, um, look at these old strategy guides and break them down." Right, because they have like map design and everything. And a good that idea, helped, dude. You know, I I have them for all my games that I've worked on. Right, it's just like easy to 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 use as a portfolio. Right. Hey, hey, here's how my whole mission was structured. Um, but I have a huge, profound, deep respect for game designers who who are, are build some of the most amazing kind of layouts and experiences. Right. Because that that's that's a skill that I don't have, no matter how hard I've tried. Uh, and <laughs> at the same time, while living in that world, I was also um, sharing with the team right I'll, I'll call them like kismet crime tech tip of the day or something like that right like i would find something in kismet that i found the easy way to do or, or figure it out and i would email that out to the team and i and i kind of did that every day for i want to say a month um before i got called into the you know the my lead designer's office and rusty was sitting there and they're like, hey, John, you know, we have a tech design spot open. Do you want it? And, you know, noob John, never having been in the situation before, was like, yes, absolutely. Let's go. Right. But not not asking any of the important questions. Right. Like, what does this change? Um, is it a promotion? <laughs> what am I, am I signing more... up for? <laughs> what am I signing up for? You know, am I getting more money? Am I getting more responsibility? Who's my new boss? You know, uh, things like that. Um, but I was just super excited, right? That's I knew that's what I wanted to do, and that allowed me to to sit next to Rusty, absorb his area of uh, effect, and and be able to kind of learn and grow in that field, right? Like you said, it didn't exist. It wasn't a real label. Like I went to my to my HR lady. And I'm like, hey, guess what? I have a new role, and I want to see my business card say tech designer. And she's like, you know, you're still a game designer. Like nothing is <laughs> You know, this is not a real role, right? Oh. Like it's just a change in responsibility. She patted you on the head, like <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah, man. man. Yep. Yep. But uh but yeah, this goes back to kind of the thing I thought I would do when I left college, right? I thought I would be a tools programmer. I thought I would be like a gameplay programmer. Right. And tech design allows you to walk that line between design and engineering right you can speak both languages you can wear both hats you be like hey i can go build a tool or i can get it pretty far to how it needs to work before having to go pull an engineer to kind of um polish it up or fully systematize it and i can go show other designers how to work with it or implement it and get that feedback and, and establish that loop on uh, how to make the tool 
more user friendly or more generic. Gotcha. Yeah, man. That makes sense. Dude, but uh, but I love that role. Um at some point there, you know, Midway shut down. We all had to go our separate ways and Rockstar uh I had, you know, I I believe this was through LinkedIn. Right. So th this goes back to something that Rob Coble was always preaching is like digital hygiene. Right. Like especially that's true now today more than ever is, you know, your social media is easily a good portion of your resume. Right. Or it's just as significant as your resume. Mm -hmm. If you have projects up there that have gifts or movies or whatever on Twitter or on LinkedIn or you have YouTube videos, or you have Twitch streams, right? Like, this just puts you ahead of the game whenever somebody's taking a look at you and can see the work you've done, the time you've spent building your brand, refining it. Um, it just it just puts you ahead of the game, you know? Like, I, I just none of this stuff was really in place when I was going through it, at least <laughs> to my knowledge. Right. You know, to me, it was just like, all right, LinkedIn, I'll make sure I got my experience up there and, and my roles. and. And I think the, 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 the key things on LinkedIn was like, hey, I had a ship title, right? I had Black Saturday 51 and I had game design, scripting, tech design on there. And I think those key words in an SEO search when the recruiter was looking popped me up and maybe Full Sail, right? I'm going to say right. I'm, Full Sail has something to do with that. Uh, pops me up. He hits me up and says, hey, John, you know, Rockstar looking for game design. Are you interested? You know, and I replied as fast as possible to say, heck yes, <laughs> here's my latest resume. Uh, and, you know, got me on the phone, did a phone interview, which I, I vaguely recall. And then I got the on-site. And at the on-site, Jameson, this was, this was a gnarly interview, right? This was gnarly because it was a two-man, you know, it was kind of like, lead tech uh i think tech director and then um lead lead scripter and then their exec producer and i'm in a room and i kid you not man it was straight up like pseudo coding basic gameplay oh, stuff okay. like like it's like hey uh you're familiar with the games we make right like take grand theft auto 4 i think had just released that year or something like that and they're like you know, hey, if you're if you're on one side of the door and you have something on on the other side of the door, how do you even how do you figure out what side of the door you're on, right? And so, I don't know what felt like after an eternity in my head spinning. I remember the good old dot product and all my vector math and oh, started kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is so far out of my brain. Oh, yeah. Dude, tell me, tell me not, man. Like, yo, that that thing, that's like. You can pop open any game engine or editor and have a formula for that, right? Like, is character on in this position, right, or in this volume? Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and they were making me derive that stuff on the fly again, oh, going back no. to like, hey, how fast are you on your feet? Are you going to ask us if we have this functionality, or are you going to try to figure it out on your own, right? Like, I think everything was fair play. But this was the first thing that I gravitated towards, right? Because I was kind of not too far from college at the time. Um, and, and yeah, it came to me and I was, 
you know, hey, writing out like a while loop, while this is true, check these things, increment, trigger this thing. Um, and they told me, they told me, oh, your code is sloppy or whatever after the fact, right? They right. just give me shit about it. But I, but I think I survived, right? I was able to say that I, I was able to show that I knew my the technical requirements for the role. Okay. Uh, and then the second half of that was lead designer and like lead MP designer. And this was awesome because it was straight up like some criteria, right? Like, hey, this scenario, this weapon, how would you set it up and teach it to the player? And I know Grand Theft Auto design, you know, pretty damn well just because I played the crap out of all of them. Uh, that I, I felt like I, I like designed the shit out of this encounter, right? To the point where they really didn't have too many questions. And by the end of it, you know, they had to hit me with the question. I think they hit me ultimately with this question that I, I would have only been able to answer with my experience at Midway when they were like, okay, John, out of everything you just designed on the board, you know, going from like character dialogue, um, companion AI, uh, traffic and, and pathfinding, um, spawn points, uh, triggers, um, music hooks, uh, conditions, things like this, um, you know, mission logic. What do you anticipate having to script? And I walked them through everything, man. I, I told them everything. <laughs> they were, I was just like, I expect to have to script every little thing of this mission to make it happen. And they were like, excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, excellent, right? Um, and I think, I think save for like one thing I was able to kind of save me. I don't know. I was like, oh, except, except kind of the, the police and the heat. I expect that to be a system that I can just hook into and be like, all right, players wanted now, five star, you know, like right. unleash the hounds kind of thing. Uh, but that was an awesome interview. And when I got the job, I felt, I felt very validated, right? That like, I knew what I was talking about and, and I would be doing the exact work that I spent, you know, the whole day in the room with all these people kind of describing and 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 that's really what it was the, the work was exactly that like we were in a c-based scripting language much like how it was at ea and we worked in maya right so maya was where we had at least for red dead redemption right maya was where we handled all the mission all the the level design that's and exactly the, what we did at odd world that's crazy well i i i it's too long ago for me but if you if you if you ask me to put money on it, I want to say that it was a fork of renderware, like an early version of that technology was like a renderware fork. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Oh, interesting. I'm pretty sure. Huh. So, so it would make sense that like our workflows are very similar. Interesting. Mm. So, so you're we we've got a few questions here. I want I want to I want to grab a couple of these. Um, just they're they're kind of a, a little aside, but I want to make sure we address some of these. And one of the first ones is how do you handle criticism at work? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I saw you and Rusty talking about this one, and yeah, <laughs> I, I meant to sign up. I meant to sign up. Whenever you do that handling criticism panel, I want to be in there. <laughs> All right, that's good. We should do that you seriously. Know? Dude, I, panels for sure. I mean, I think you have the setup for. It. Oh yeah, you we have, can make that happen. Screen real estate. To... We'll do it, man. We'll we'll put four of us in here. We'll uh, we'll put the dogs in the middle, 
And we'll be like, yeah. <laughs> the, the refs, the dogs are the refs, right? right? They're like, whoever they woof, that's the next person uh, up. Um, that's a good one, right? Because that's one that comes with muscle memory, right? Like it's a muscle you have to develop, at least for me, right? Like coming in with this imposter syndrome of like, I'm a noob, I don't have any credentials, and I'm surrounded by professionals and people that I respect and admire have been doing this for a while. I can't show any weakness. You know, I have to defend everything and I have to show them that I know what I'm talking about, which is the exact wrong mentality to have. Uh, but I learned that, right? I learned that um, as a designer or as anybody making a game that is meant for... Actually, you know what? I'll step back, Jameson. I'll say that the first step was learning that I'm making a game not just for myself, mm. but for the masses. Right. And so after it's a tough lesson to learn early. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So after understanding that, he, you know, passing off the controller and handing it off right away, which is, at this time was kind of the most like anxiety inducing, like nail biting moment, right? Like, you know, spending however long, right? Days, weeks, months to craft something. And then, okay, hey, it's ready to test now. Let me pass it off. Let me pass off the controller. And then see that person struggle or miss the thing mm -hmm. or die repeatedly or like be frustrated right not understand it is such crucial valuable feedback and some people are very verbal right some people are like this sucks toss the controller <laughs> uh and other people are much more experienced and eloquent and much more empathetic to be like you know uh, hey here are the things that I liked and worked well. Here are the things that I didn't like it work well, or you know, where can we smooth this out? But ultimately, it's and and this is applicable. I've learned this kind of in my marriage too, right? Like, uh, don't let your instincts of defensiveness, right? Don't feel that your work is being attacked, right? That's the first step. They're not attacking your work. They're attacking. Uh, a feeling or an emotion that they're experiencing that is is a part of the game that we don't want anybody in the public to experience or run into, right? We're, there's, we're aligned in a common goal. It just so happens that you're the implementer that's got to make it, this work, right? So it's all going to come on to you. So acknowledging right. what you signed up for as a designer slash implementer, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that you're going to be the funnel of all this criticism and uh and feedback right but all good and all bad uh and and we're aligned in a common attacking the common enemy so learning that that's part of the job that everybody's going to be kind of as honest as as or frustrated right like the if you're if a game pisses you off right like me i play bloodborne and that game frustrates me to no end um all those from software games man uh but it's part of the design. It's part of what, what keeps people coming back. Yeah. Um, but like understanding the, the, the feel and the emotion you want the player to experience, right? And then knowing that you, you, that has to be good, right? That you don't want anybody kind of experiencing things unintentionally, right? And, and, and that happens with everything. But it's the nature of the job, ultimately.
it and, is. And design or game development. And you know, the thing that I try to remind people of is a lot of that feedback is subjective, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's, it's founded in their opinion, right? Now there's a lot of objectivity to it, right? But mm. they're like a lot of times what you talked about, what people are responding to is how they feel about what they see. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the way they relay that information to you may not be the way that you're ready to receive. So, yes. so there's like the, the feedback has to be, first of all, given properly, which does not mm. happen often enough, unfortunately. And it's a skill. It is. It's it is a skill. skill. That's what I mean. Like you have to learn to give it. And I think you learn to give it by learning how to receive it as well. Right. So you kind of learn those things when you're like, I didn't like the way he talked to me just now. I don't like the way that made me feel. You learn, I probably shouldn't give other people feedback that way too. Right. So, or at least I hope that's what's happening. And so it it ends up being a bit of a, like, you know, you're, you're learning from experiencing it and, but it has, it's skill. Like it's a skill on both sides. And until the, the receiver and the giver are doing it the right way, that that friction and that that um that that uh that bad feel is going to be there right and yeah you just can't you can't dwell on it you gotta you gotta look in as with anything with this any kind of feedback you've got to dig into what is the piece that mm-hmm. they're actually having a problem with yes and then first of all is it something i should fix right yeah and then if it is how do i fix it right and, and that's really all it boils down to you got to remove the emotion as much as you can yeah, remove the emotion. I like I like what you said there too. Um, that's a critical role we play in design. Is is definitely in the beginning. My knee jerk reaction is like, oh, that's bad. Let me remove it. Right. And and you're absolutely right. Is there's a there's a step there to figuring out should I remove it? Yes. Um, is this actually the problem, or is it somewhere else? Is it a symptom controls? of the problem? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely, and and that that falls on on often the designer, right? Uh, I I I would even say too is that those soft skills have generally shown themselves to me in in a great director, right? In a great design director, lead designer, creative director. The ones that I I look back to and really admire and respect were the ones that had kind of worked that muscle out that can give really solid pointed feedback and criticism right yeah. or at least or at least be somewhat gentle about yeah, it right? yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> well, when you've learned how it feels to get it it makes mm-hmm. it easier to give it in the right way right so uh, that's why i yeah. feel like you learn it that way so yeah and, and and it goes up right like as you get experience you realize that it comes to you because it has come to them that way, right? Right. So, like, yeah. lead designer gets it from exec producer. Exec producer gets it from like head publisher guy, and head publisher guy gets it from CEO that wants the you know wants the game to come out soon, right? So, like, it's coming well, down. Right? So you, but that also brings up another point in that sometimes the feedback itself isn't coming from someone that understands the the situation and the problem. Right. Yeah. All they have is a feeling that they have from something or a, a deadline or, a, you know, like there's these things that, that they are responding to. And as it goes down the pipe and gets to you, you may not have any idea where the actual real issue came from. All yes. you can do is just respond to what you're hearing and try to do the best you can to improve it. So, dude, yeah, you, 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 you 100%. It makes me think of, and I'm curious if this happens to you is, 
the form of the feedback, right? Like there's as bad as it can be, the uh you know, the live one-on-one feedback with the controller tends to be kind of the the best, right? There's the um the live feedback in a meeting room with your pod or in a meeting room with all the leads, you know, 10, 20 people. Uh, and there's the feedback in an email where there's so much lost to interpretation. Um, there's the, there's that like spreadsheet feedback, right? Which is a line bug number. It's like, Hey, this thing doesn't work, fix it. Uh, and there's all these different forms and I'm curious what you've seen on your end like is is it that crazy is it that sparse or is it kind of more refined like some of the later places that you've worked (laughs) i've seen it every way you've you've talked about like (laughs) it, it depends on like it's it's really crazy because i think part of it depends on the size of the organization because when you talk about a company like when I'm work, when I was working at EA, where yeah. I was at the I was at the world headquarters, right? So it was easier That's for Redwood, right? what's that? Redwood, yeah, it was like Redwood, Redwood yeah. Shores, yeah. So it was easy for our CEO to get access to what we were working on, right, and see our latest build. Not that it happened that often, but there were times where like that would happen, and he would like people would watch him play or react to something, or he would watch someone else play and react to something. And then that feedback would go through like eight different people of a game of telephone before it got to us. And now we're like, wait, this does what sometimes we were like, this doesn't make any sense. Sometimes we were (laughs) like, I don't think this is the right call. Sometimes we're like, man, what they're asking for is a lot of work. Like there's, there's just, there's just so many different reactions you can have to something. And depending on, what point in the project you're in, how much time you have left, what resources you have around you, if it's a fun decision or not, because when see, people see things early and they don't have an eye to kind of anticipate where it's heading, then, yeah. then they can like, their thought can send you in a different direction. So there's just, oh man, there's so much to that stuff. And honestly, the the truth is, as you as you're doing this more, you gain wisdom, right? And wisdom mm-hmm. as a designer is where you start to understand that you know you're like what is the the element of this that people are responding to how do i break it down into the piece that's like this is the thing that people don't like i don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to fix it the way that they say but i Mm -hmm. understand why they feel this way now it's up to me and my team to decide is this the thing that i'm going how am i going to solve this are we going to solve this or is there something else coming that helps solve the problem for us so yeah or yeah. do we just not have time to do anything about it? And we have to live with it. We do that too, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I like that, man. Like, you know, take it, take it, sit, sit and process it with your team. And you're right. Maybe there's something in the works already that's going to smooth this out or fix this issue or, or at least address it in one way, right? That'll that'll lead to a different feel, hopefully. Yeah. And you may not even know about it, which is why you need to talk to your team, right? Like something may be coming that you didn't even have insight into. Dude, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Going back to that large team problem and with poor communication, right? Like it definitely happens in a project that everybody's kind of head down trying to get to this point or deliverable or finish line. And maybe there has to be some producer or some lead that knows the big picture, but for whatever reason, they're busy, right? And they're not communicating it or you're not on those emails or 
you missed the meeting or you missed the memo. Um, that's frustrating, man. I, I mean, I, I've never seen it. I've never seen it, you know, really well addressed. It's just, I, I, I think, I think there's a little bit of a go get, go get it ness in the person to try to be uh, that ownership, right. To try to be as anywhere they can be to anything that is affected affects what they own or touch right like talking to people hey i want to be in that meeting and walk walking by um which which i guess is a little bit of the benefit of kind of like the open floor plan or like those fishbowl design offices right like where everything is glass so you can usually see like hey hey my lead and my engineer and my artist over there on the whiteboard I wonder what they're talking about. I'm going to go pop in. Right. right? Like, <laughs> what's going on? You know, for sure. Yep. That all happens. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Jeez. So I want to address this question from Solo Venomous real quick because it is a very complicated answer. And I want us to talk about why it's a complicated answer. The question okay. is who is the person that gets to say, okay, this game is ready to be put into the world? Is it, is it at a good enough state for the consumer to enjoy? Right. And the first thing I want to say to that really quick is a game is never finished. We just ship it. Right. Like it's, it's just abandoned. That's right. That is right. That is always the case that especially now, right. Where we can, um, we can add DLC to it later. We can hot, hot patch. We can do all that stuff. Yep. Right. Yep. We, a game is never done. And even back in the day when you had to put it on a disc and there was no hope of actually updating the game, there was a thousand things you wanted to do to that, but you just yep. couldn't do it. Right. Yep. So, so who is the person? Who's the person that gets to decide that? <laughs> and I love the look on your face because it is, <sighs> a, it is a super complicated answer, right? Yeah, man. I mean, I think you've had more visibility at this level, you know, like even with my experience, uh, I, I honestly admit I've never sat in on any of those meetings, Jameson, you know, like I'm always kind of receiving the information or I'm lucky if I'm like one degree separated from like, Hey, you know, any information you got to help us kind of push back on this deadline you know, now's the time to to put it out there. Right. Or I've definitely written like long winded emails trying to plead a case. Uh, but I've never been in on those meetings, right? Like I just see, I've definitely been on the, Hey, this is our launch date. Right. And then, Hey, our launch date now is like six months later or one year later. Mm -hmm. Uh, and And that, that's the key point, right? Like that's, that's where the decision starts to be made, right? Is when, because <laughs> when you make a date, you've now, and, and this is what people don't understand. When you've made, when you've announced the date, you have now told your shareholders, if you're a public company, when you're going to start bringing in profits to your project. Okay. Yeah. So now, now you are essentially, you have affected the profitability and the income of an entire corporation based on a decision that you've made by a date. So when you're at a big company, that means now we, that is now our goal. Our goal is Mm -hmm. to ship on that date and we don't always ship on that date, but that's where we're trying to get to. Right. So now it becomes a backward spiral from there where we're like, okay, here's how much time we got left. 
and you have yes. to work backwards, right? Because you need time for certification. You need time for, you know, actual, like we're done with content. We need to bug fix this. We need to make sure everything is working properly, all that kind of stuff, you know, and you work backwards from that point. And then you're like, Oh no, that thing that I need to get done means I've got like three weeks to do it and it should yeah. take me a month. What does that mean? Right. Yeah. Do I get help? Do I scope? Do I, you know, like, and that's where those conversations start. So it, it's less of one person rubber stamping it and more of us all being like, Oh my God, we're all heading toward this date. Mm -hmm. And now we're constantly making adjustments and looking at quality and making sure that all these things we're doing are filtering toward us finishing at the date that we need to finish in order to put it out at that release date. And that's why oh. bugs change at that. And that last six months, the criteria yep. of bugs change frequently. This, <laughs> this bug that was a B bug next month. Yep. Now it's a C bug next month. Yep. Now it's a D bug, right? Like now it's yep. known shippable. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. because you got to ship, you got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely true. It's like, that date comes and even even to now right like i've tend to kind of see a pattern emerge of like if you're a big publisher you look at the calendar and they're usually around kind of quarterly reviews or announcements and you know there needs to be a game coming out at or around this time i i'm fortunate enough to be able to say that i think most of the places i've worked at have gotten away from the hey we have to ship by christmas for like end of year profits or whatever right like now it's a bit more spread out from, from what i've seen generally um uh and even publishers right publishers kind of pad out some of the things but once that data is announced you're absolutely right like there's this newfound focus that is thrown down on the team and even if you're not with it in the beginning, you quickly start to see how things roll, right? Like right. You're, you're seeing producers change the severity of bugs or the class of bugs. Um, things are being scoped, AKA cut completely, right? Like something that you felt is good enough. Um, people know, people have seen that the time it's going to take to get that from good enough to like shippable mm -hmm. is going to be too long. We just got to flat out remove it so that these other places that we know are awesome and fun, usually, aka the first 30% of the game, right? Like those need to get more love. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about mentioning that, right? Like the, the first, that first, the things you know everybody's going to experience right away has got to be as polished as possible, right? Yep. Like you gotta, you gotta get people, you gotta hook them. You gotta get them in there, help them understand what your yep. game is and make them want to play it more. Because then the further you get, the more you're like, ah, you'll, you'll let things slide off. You know, like, ah, that, that seems a little bit broken, whatever. I'm still enjoying the experience. Right. But if you see that stuff right away, yep. that's, that'll turn you off to it, man. Turn you off. Yeah. Especially in this day and age, man, where I, like that I'm talking about in the times where like, nothing was free to play right now you have right. so many free play options you're like yeah i'm gonna just go pop in warzone or fortnite or something like that right like yeah that's crazy to me yeah and it's such mm -hmm. a different landscape than what we started in <laughs> we've seen the renaissance man <laughs> <laughs> the renaissance of games <laughs> yeah yeah this is insane where people people are making money different ways like like Fortnite would what shipped 
was a completely different game than what it is today. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? Well, and even what like I was in the alpha for the um whatever they called the 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 building in tower defense mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but like that was that was what the game was gonna be, right? It was yep. like build a yep. fort, save the world. That's right. Thank you. And uh like like that's what I tried out originally. I was like, this is cool. Like this is gonna be fun, this is gonna be neat. Like the whole world you can build and whatever. Man, did they did they pivot at the right time in the right way? Yeah. Like that's and that sometimes that's that's what you gotta do, man. Yeah, I mean, like uh having the having the investing in your tools so that you can make these changes as quick as possible and upload and patch, right, are gonna are gonna serve you well any in any development capacity. Yeah. And even more importantly, getting everybody on board, right? Like getting people to understand the the importance of that kind of change and cause like getting people to like totally change gears in the project you're making is a very difficult task. Yeah, absolutely. People are super invested, right? Yeah. And then kind of all the decisions they've made and what absolutely. they've poured their heart and sweat into. I'm curious, right? Like when you see something succeed that well, does it does it just kind of like wash away the the salt of like losing whatever you love <laughs> it has to right like like if it if it doesn't then, then you're not like you're not you, you got your eye in the wrong place that, that's yep. what we always talk about as designers is like you got to be able to to kill your babies right like you got to yeah. not get attached to an idea that you have if that idea is no longer the right idea for the game and too many times <laughs> especially i see it with students coming through all the time is like this is the thing that is important about the game that I'm making. And I'm like, it might have been, or actually it may have never really been, but you felt that way about it. But this is the game you're making. This is the time you have. This is what you can accomplish. This is going to be fun. You've got to pivot. You got to refocus. Yeah. Be flexible. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Bruce Lee, be water, man. Cause uh, That's right. absolutely. <laughs> As absolutely. And again, I will admit wholeheartedly that I had to learn this after a good amount of time. Um, it didn't come to me right away, but you're absolutely right. Like an experienced developer learns to not get too attached and learns that, uh, did, you know, choices and designs are a dime a dozen, right. Um, Mm -hmm. executing, executing and getting to the fun and finding that is, is an iteration that, that has to happen. And, um, you have to, you have to rock with it. You have to ride it out because this always leads to a better game always leads to a better experience always leads to something more mass market more has more appeal with the the the, the masses i i i've seen yeah right i don't want to be too generic no i'm but... with you man i get that mm-hmm. all right two things real fast one Shoot. i'm gonna take my last shot and i got another song for that we're gonna play it so i'm gonna do that real Which, quick do it Need a second. So second thing, I feel like quite frankly, and this is the first time I've said this on one of these episodes, we have not touched a third of what I want to talk to you about. So 
how would you feel about coming back on in a couple of weeks so that we can dig deeper into to some of the stuff that that we didn't even get to touch on uh I see Bugatti boys is, is <laughs> Bugatti boys is fan. <laughs> I hear uh, that you're coming back on. So that <laughs> dude, I I was actually gonna gonna try to like, you know, put you in a submission chokehold or something to 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 wager to get me back on here, send me another invite. <laughs> but um, I I'd be super happy to come back, Jameson, Sweet for man. real, man. I'd be super happy. Like if 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 people want to know more and I have something to offer. I want to do it. I want to be an open book to help share my experiences to benefit to benefit your stream monsters, man, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. So I, we've got we've already got actually some spots in September that we can that I that I don't have filled yet. So we'll find some time next month because, like, seriously, we we barely scratched your time at your actual companies, right? And and people really want to know, like. What was it like that first day at work? What was it, you know, what was it like, you know, getting used to working with these people? What was it like when your yeah. project was cut and then you had to look for work and you know, like there's and we haven't talked about Amazon at all, right? Dude, so like, that's, that's my bad. That's my bad no, for no, like no, 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 I'm not complaining. I'm saying like we we've had a lot of great stuff and I want to make sure we get a chance to because like I don't want us to to sit here all night, you know, like I want to make sure we get a chance to like sure. get comfortable, dig into some more stuff, and uh I think it'll be really good. So I, I love it. I love it. I'm I'm happy to come back. I would even kind of wait. I would even ask because I have some some things in the works that might come to fruition as early as October. So oh, nice. if if we can lock in that first week of October, yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah, yeah that that could work out really well. That's cool, man. As soon as what you and I will talk this week, we'll figure something out. But yeah, man, I think we got plenty more to talk about. So I want to make sure we get an opportunity to do that absolutely you're right man i haven't even <laughs> haven't even gotten to like push socal or montreal that's right or any of those other fantastic cities oh, man i forgot yeah. about montreal that man yeah we got so much to talk about <laughs> montreal <laughs> montreal yes sir okay um, i'm gonna get out of here then yeah no that's good um all right before you go and we've got some questions in the chat these are all good questions we will get to them next time um, okay. but I want you to answer like people are like, they want to subscribe. They want to get the John Diaz expansion. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like to ask this one question before we go. And that is, okay. what is your single piece of advice that you would give somebody looking for their first job in the industry? Okay. Okay. I, I may have written something down in preparation for this. Oh, snap. Let me, let me scroll through my notes. Uh, uh, Okay. So m maybe there's a two a two p a two parter okay. and I, I hope that if you if you missed earlier when we were talking about it, um is go where the work is. Yes. Right? Yes. So so in the beginning you don't have the luxury unless you are the 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 ace programmer that can see the assembly behind the, the code. Um you, you go where the work is, man. Go on on game dev map yep. and look at all the companies all across the world, right? It's an international game. And even now more than ever, remote work is a real thing, you know? So you don't, you may not even have to move, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so apply everywhere to anything that even remotely sparks your interest. Look and read through the job descriptions 
and see what you are really good at and tailor your resume to fit those criteria, right? Those points so that that's all you're talking about on your interview, right? That that matches directly to the problem that they're trying to solve. And don't try to fluff the things that you don't know anything about, right? Because they're going <laughs> to spit that out quickly. Yep. <laughs> um, and I think I've seen this come around in some of your streams and even on the Discord is um, people that have been surprised with the pandemic and are looking for work, right? Yeah. That that had a steady job and are looking for work. And, and it's an unfortunate thing um, because nobody could have predicted this. And so what I've learned, and I and this is kind of a recent lesson, is interviewing, just like a lot of these other skills, is a muscle that you have to keep working out. Yeah. And so just because you got a cush job at a place that you love, does not mean that you stop interviewing, that you stop talking to people about what's going on, what are they looking for, what roles are available. Like, keep the keep the hustle of looking for your next job as if as if it's still there while you're working. Man, because you are right. You that, know, that it, is it, like like it's even more important when you're in a job that you like, right? Yeah, because as yeah. soon as you now don't have it, you're not ready, right? No. And that's, at all oh, like man, you don't have so your portfolio good. up to date yeah. you don't you, all your assets are locked away in a vault like you can never have access to them again right like proprietary stuff yeah uh and and again you, you like anytime that i've i've been looking for work and i was caught off guard all my first interviews first second third go terabad yeah they just went way south right like yeah I thought I knew what I can talk about and how to sell myself and it had atrophied, right? Like I wasn't doing my, my interviewing curls, you right. know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that, that's what I would say to that, right? Always keep open to every opportunity. Um, keep your LinkedIn up to date, put all your work out there where people can see it and constantly get that feedback loop going right on Twitter, on discord, on YouTube, the it's a, it's a new game out there right like like get your stuff out there and get that get used to that criticism and then the trolls and be able to respond to it and learn like what other people are looking for because that's the, that's great fodder for interviewing right like yeah. hey i had a game and you know b gamer said he hated the control scheme so i made these modifications and it ended up being good because more downloads or whatever or or not, right? So I learned, right? I learned not, not to listen to that person because I didn't have data or something like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and one thing to add to that, because this is something I wish I had done more of throughout my career is anything you're working on, keep screenshots, keep notes, like things that like be building your portfolio the whole time, whether it's just yeah. like a, a memoir of what you're doing or whatever, you're going to need it eventually. You're going to want it. Yeah. Like, I, I like what you said earlier. I love what you said earlier is to keep a blog or mm. some type of journal as you're going through these things, because it's much easier when you're going through it than to have to recall that months or, or, or years later, right? When, when you're on an interview and they're like, Hey, what did you do in 2010 at this job for this project? Right. It's super hard to recall that if you're not used to it. Right. Yep. But if you keep a blog, then, then you can go consult that, right? I now have 
kind of like my my game dev career notebook right and i can easily kind of flip through that to kind of touch myself up on on all the pain and the glory that i've suffered that make for great stories when i'm coming in front of a new person that i may want to work with yeah absolutely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah look at that Stream my projects when i was in school and a blog angry nice. spartan what's up that's the way to do it yes yep all right man i'm gonna let you get out of here I, I am super appreciative of you being here. One last question. If people would like to get in touch with you to ask questions, is there a good way for them to do that? Where would you prefer they contact you? Yeah, so I think I had some questions about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And what I answered to that is that, like, unfortunately, like, if I don't know you, I, I usually kind of keep that gated. Um, but I invite everybody to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, L Kingpin, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it in the chat before I go. Nice. And um, I have a YouTube channel that I manage for Amazon doing what I do now, tutorials, video tutorials. So, you know, that's a great venue to catch me as well. But I, uh, Twitter Twitter's the best. Twitter's the best because, you know, you get those notifications and I'm happy to answer any questions you guys have about whatever. So I'll drop that into the chat before I go. And I will also say he's in our Discord. He's there. So uh, I do, I do work in there. I do work so he, in there. He's around. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. if you are not in our discord, you should be. I'm going to put a link up to that. So yeah, all good. Okay. So here's my Twitter. And then, I mean, like, how do I like, I don't even know what my discord name is, bro. You're John Diaz, man. You've been there. You good. Okay. Damn. They could find me like that. That's, That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I even kind of thrown up, thrown up some some jobs that I come across on the team. They're like, "Hey, we're looking for this, looking for that." Yeah, we've got a game job section in there, so you just throw that shit in there, and we good. I think you already Bad. did that, right? Like you've already thrown some stuff. Yeah, in once there. or twice. Yeah, yeah. Once or twice, I've seen some cool things. Anytime I see something that that I really like or I think relates to full sailors, I, I drop it in there. Perfect. We got yeah. plenty of them in there, so that's good. Awesome. Right, man. For thank you so much for hanging out. We will definitely you and I will talk after this. We'll find a time for you to come back on. Honestly, I feel like we got a third. We might need two more times for us to talk about everything I want to. So, <laughs> <laughs> bet man, bet. Got to keep them. Got to got to leave them. That's one of the tricks I learned. Leave them wanting more. That's right. Well, then, but also it's like this. This could be like an every six month thing when you're like, hey, here's a new thing I got. And that's the thing when you've got something new you want to talk about, come on and talk about yeah. it. You know. So like. We'll do it. Let's do it. Bet, bet, bet. And and I definitely want to nudge you to set up a panel with a, a bunch of the other homies, man, to, right. to get like a group mind meld. We're going to do it. That's going to happen. Awesome. All right, sir. All right, man. Thank you very much. I'm going to jump over Thank and you. say my goodbyes. I appreciate you. And we will talk soon, man. All right, man. Have a good one. Later. Thank you for listening and don't forget to join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Thursday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you so you don't miss out on anything. Be sure to follow me on all my social media using the links in the show notes and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.